that are new to Sunday and new to new beginnings again. The Lord is in this place. Um, we're trying to be very spirit-led at new beginnings, and sometimes that makes things a little less certain for me. <laughs> and uh, I think this morning, you know, my heart is full of some things from the conference, and uh, the message I had prepared is, is a little bit of a mixture. And I believe the title is right on. And I'm probably going to just focus on point two of the message. That it's time to contend. You know, when we looked at that uh, song, he's the Lord of the city and greater things are yet to come. Greater things. I think that phrase, greater things are still to be done. You know, God is not finished with you. God is not finished with you. You know, some of us are, are getting a little up in age. Some of us are very young in this room. And uh, I just believe that this is a time that God is calling us to greatness. Not greatness in our own strength, but greatness in Him. And yet, um, let me just quote something from the conference. The, uh, the gal, Benny, that uh, talked about uh, happy, she wrote the book Happy Intercessor. And she commented that we are in transition, that this is a time of transition. And I think... Uh, she also said that women know what transition is all about. In labor, uh, when you go into transition, it's the most rapid contractions. It's the most terrible part of the delivery. It hurts. It's painful. I haven't been through it. I've just observed it. And uh, the, the nice thing about it is it's not real long normally. But it is intense, and she characterized it as intense, confusing, I don't know, I don't want to do this anymore, I don't know who I am. I know I confessed to um, pastor's group a couple weeks ago, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, they, they went around the room, and the, the topic was, what are you going to do for this fall campaign, you know? Everybody's got their nice plans, you know, and I'm saying, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, this was this was encouraging to me because you know it's it's kind of the best of times with the worst of times. You know, you know you're going to have a baby in transition, but you don't want to be there, do you? You don't want to go through that stage, and, and it's a difficult stage. And, I, and I, I think it's real encouraging to know that we are in that stage. How many of you have had the enemy buffeting you a, a bit? Do you feel it? I do. It's like, you know, some days I'll wake up and I'll, I'll be discouraged and depressed, and I'd say, 
where is that coming from? Or the, the rear deck catches on fire, and the, or dishwasher breaks, and I mean, just little things. But there's enough stuff going on, you know, it's, it's distracting, you know, and, it, and yet God is, you know, if I look at my journal, God is pouring out such wonderful things to me. But the enemy is trying to keep me off track and off guard, off uh, distracted. So uh, let's go to this uh, point two here. Um, I wanted to talk first, maybe I'll just summarize point one. Satan fights us at many levels. And of course, in the world system, he keeps us from God. Second, when we do come to God, our mind is not renewed. Third, he wants us, he does not want us to know who we are in Christ. And fourth, he does not want the church to know its role, its mission, its power. And I think this is one area where it's happening. I think the church is really coming alive today. And we're understanding our role better. You know, I read a lot of different books and from different places and different streams. And there's a fullness. You know, I used to read uh, in, in Matthew and I'd say, that doesn't look like we do that. And do we just ignore this part of the gospel or, you know, and, oh, people must, you know, it's a new Christian or whatever. I think, well, they must know what they're doing, but I don't understand this. And I think now that we're, we're really starting to more come into the fullness of what God wants the church to be. And we're just emerging into that. Um. One of the big things that's happening is that there is a message that we are transformers of this world. We're not to set back and say, well, it's getting bad, it's getting worse, and you know, God's going to come and take us out of, a, out of it, and there's not much we can do about it anyway. You know, it's all going to happen that way. And God is coming in and saying, no, I put you on earth to really change things. And he's, he said that, another encouragement I had was that, he said that to me before this conference. He said that to me before I've read any of these books recently. Uh, because I, I, I said to the Lord, you know, I have this frustrated passion in my heart, Lord. You know, and sometimes people come to you and you, you say, well, you shouldn't be so frustrated. You know, you, you, <laughs> you know, should I be just contented, you know? And so I was praying to the Lord. You know, I have this passion to see things change. I really do. And I don't see things changing that fast. And, and so it's kind of a frustrated passion. And I'm saying, Lord, is this, is this wrong? And God says, no, I had that passion. I sent my son into this world. I had such passion that I sent my son into the world to change it. And I want you to change this world. And he's calling us to change this world, to partner with him. And not just, you know, as both in the hearts of men, but in communities. You know, how many of you have seen the transformations uh, videos? Um, this points out where God comes in in a powerful way in a community, that whole communities can be transformed. The jails are closed. The, uh, you know, the people turn from bad marriages to happy marriages to, 
the, the fields are even fertile that weren't fertile before. Communities can be transformed. It's not a hopeless cause. The devil wants us to think it's a hopeless cause. You know, and sometimes we look at our, you know, honestly, we, we, we've been working with a group on Saturday night for six years, and sometimes you think, well, will things ever change for, for these people? And we see examples of it, but only a few, you know. We see, we see glimmers. And I was so encouraged by Nancy because... You know, I think that's the message that, that God has for us is we, we, are to, we are to push through, we are to press through. And, you know, she was telling me about the prayers she was leading people in last night and, and planting the, the seeds of, of forgiveness. Anyway, we are to be the church which the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And we are to be on the offensive versus the defensive. And I really do believe that the enemy has had us on the defensive. And uh, this series that I'm starting here is about, you know, contending for what all that God has for us. Um, In the conference this week, Great Grace, Bill Johnson, pastor of Bethel Reading, spoke for two sessions. And if you don't know who he is, he has a... He has really had a passion for revival, and he has had a passion, he reads in the Gospels, this is, this is what Jesus did, and the way he reads it is, we should be doing all that Jesus did, and so he's trying to raise up a generation, generations, that will do what Jesus did, and it's happening. Um, he told the story of, of uh, some interns that said, what if a little bit of this broke out down at Disneyland? So at the food court of Disneyland, uh, there was a small team that prayed over this one high school guy, and he had a bad shoulder. I guess he'd had an operation or something. Anyway, his shoulder was all messed up, and they just knew his shoulder was messed up, and they prayed for him, and it was instantly healed. And uh, there was about five other guys with him, and evidently this was a star of a football team or one of the sports teams, and so they all knew about it. They all knew that he was, you know, done, not only maybe for the season, but for his career. And they saw that miracle that God had done, and they got excited. I don't know whether these six kids knew the Lord, but uh, they certainly did after that. Uh, Part of this process is to bring people to the Lord. They went out and they found all the kids they knew or kids around, uh, young, young people, and they brought them down to the food court. And of course, part of Bill Johnson's ministry is to take a new convert and say, let's, let's have you pray for this person for healing. So they had those, those new converts, so to speak, praying for the other people that they brought in. And out of the whole thing, I, I don't know, I don't remember about the healings, but there was like 120 young people were saved out of that event. And uh, so it's happening. Heaven is breaking through. And it can break through over Sunnyvale. It can break through in new beginnings. It can break through in our lives. 
And uh, one of the things that caught my attention was he was talking about two conflicting, uh, you know, a lot of times scripture gives us uh, conflicting ideas or apparently conflicting ideas. You know, how do we move into the kingdom of heaven? How do we move into that realm? And uh, I want to talk about those two dimensions. And one is most dimensions of kingdom life, and I think Connie was really alluding to this. I was just so thrilled with what she had to say this morning. Is we enter by receiving as a child. And I think one of the devil's biggest strategies has been to uh, remove the idea of joy from the Christian life. And boy, this conference, if there's one message from this conference we attended, it's okay to be joyful. It's okay to have fun. You know, and I like the Matthew video that we have, uh, the visual Bible that Matthew video. It shows a Jesus who has fun. And there's the CBS video version of Jesus that even, you know, I think he playfully throws water at his disciples. And, you know, there's a lot of fun going on. And if you look at uh, John 15, Jesus said, you know, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I just want to underline it because I think God is underlining this message, is he said his main purpose to tell you all these things about abiding in me and is so your joy may be full. And when he prays the high priestly prayer in, in uh, John 17, he has the same purpose again. I've told them all these things so that their joy might be full. And you know, here's another confirmation for me personally was, you know, I was reading just a few days ago before the conference, and I was reading in 1 Corinthians, you know, the one-year Bible goes through certain sections, so I was reading in 1 Corinthians, and I want to pull out that. Sorry, I'm probably not following the notes very well this morning, so apologize for that. So you probably may not get too much use out of them. In 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, chapter 2, I'm sorry. How many of you are familiar with, uh, but it is written, what, I, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard. This is, this is 2, verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, a lot of times we look at that and we say, we can't imagine what God has prepared for us. And sometimes people think, well, that's some future, future time. But let's read the rest of the, the story here, verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. These things God has revealed to us. So we can know what he's prepared for us. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Why? 
Here, here he states a purpose. Why have we received the Spirit? To, uh, to make us obedient robots, right? No. It says, so we might understand the things freely given us by God. God wants us to understand the fullness of what he's given us. And the devil, of course, his main strategy is he doesn't want us to understand what we already have in Christ. Because if we understand what we have in Christ, I couldn't keep you from turning cartwheels down the aisle every day, every morning, every, every minute. Right? You can't even do a cartwheel? Okay, well... Whatever you can do, spin, twirl, jump. We did a lot of that. We have an inheritance purchased for us by Jesus. Do you know that God said, all I have is yours in the prodigal son story, which represents God, the father said. I mean, all I have is yours. All I have is yours. Soak that in a little bit. You think your house and your husband and your kids healed? There's more. There's even more. It's a finished work also. It's not something that we have to work at. It's not something that we have to deserve. It's not something that we have to earn because we're so good, because we're not. It's something we have to Believe and receive. Believe and receive. <laughs> you know, how many of you uh, relate to the elder son? Anybody? Well, okay. Maybe I'm the only one. The elder son is a great example of believing he needed to earn. He was the father's son, yet, yet he worked as a slave out in the field. He tried and tried and tried to earn what was already his. He was frustrated. He was angry. He was bitter. And I don't think in all his hard work, he was really that much value to the father, was he? Was he a delight to his father? No. You know, in the church is full of elder sons that think we must work hard to deserve our inheritance. And, and I must admit that I've been dealing with that. But if there's one message that God wants me to know is he wants me to have joy and he wants me to have the fullness of my inheritance. Just listen to what God said to me in January where the desires, this is, this is our tough God. This is what he wants for me. I just listen and I write them down. Life abundant, fullness, running in stride. Number two, coming into your own, not somebody else's. Being fully who you are and confident in that. Number three, extreme joy in me, delight in me, enjoyment in me, true friendship and partnership and camaraderie. Number four, truly happy with Ron, enjoying him versus being his critic and being disappointed with him. Number five, developing your ability to explain things, profound things, life-changing things. You know, our primary job, and I think this conference, you know, this conference, these people flow out a lot of things to other people, don't they, that were up there. 
You know, I didn't see Heidi Baker, but I assume that, you know, she has the same exuberant joy that I saw with the others. You know, this is a gal who started 10,000 10, churches. Okay. They are receiving joy from the Lord. And I believe this is, a, this is a secret. You know, if we don't receive, we can't give anything. We have, we have you know, we strain. We strain. And uh, our main job is to be receivers of his joy, his peace, his provision. Everything we need for life and happiness is given to us already in Jesus. And I think this is one of the major things he wants for New Beginnings this season, is to receive his joy, to be like little kids. You know, I prayed for a gal. One of the, one of the neat things that happened there was... was um, we were asked, those of us who are debt-free were asked to pray for, for those who were not. Of course, there's only a few of us, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, we, we got the privilege of being in this, in this uh, praying over this prayer tunnel. And man, God, God gave Christine and I words for everybody that went through there, you know, prophetic words. And it was, it was fun. There's one gal I prayed for. I just saw her splashing in the water and, you know, delighting in, in the Lord and, and uh, we need to get this. And uh, what Bill Johnson, there's a couple quotes I want to just read to you. The Lord wants to change the church through a revelation of his goodness. You know, somebody this morning uh, said, God will heal me when he gets good and ready. Well, I don't think that's, portrays the goodness of God. Um, you know, it does portray that I'm willing to, you know, wait and, and wait on the Lord. And, but uh, he also said that if we don't see, in other words, if your theology doesn't match up with what we see in Jesus, then it's not good theology. So Jesus came to heal, you know, he... He didn't say to Marianne, Marianne wasn't the person, but <laughs> he didn't say to Marianne, no, I don't think today's the day I'm going to heal you. Maybe next month, maybe next year. He always, you know, he healed immediately. And so, you know, we need to base our theology on what, what Jesus did. And another quote is, so God is good. You know, and I, I keep hearing this theme, you know, and it's not just the, you know, the, the, the mantra, you know, God is good all the time, God is good. But I would challenge you, check yourself. Whenever you make a statement, you know, and Connie was repenting of some statements, okay? But I think we've all received bad theology about the, the non-goodness of God. God wants you to be blessed. Okay? And another quote was, we owe it to the world to be blessed by God. We owe it to the world to be blessed by God. They can't see God. They can only see you. And if you are not blessed, what kind of father do you have? In other words, if you walk around and, 
you know, let's say Chris was walking around and saying, well, you know, I've got this sickness, but, you know, I know God is doing it to me for a purpose, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm just kind of tired all the time, and I can't hold my head up, and, um, you know, what kind of witness is, is that to the world? How, why do they want what you got? <laughs> so we need to be filled you know let him reveal to you honestly I've been a Christian for, for close to 30 years now I guess it's 30 years okay. and I think I've just scratched the surface of what God has for me okay enough for point A point two some dimensions, okay, so there's one dimension where we just need to be little children and there's nothing we can do except believe and receive. And of course that, I think in a way they're, they're, that is contending because the world's way and our cultural way is not that way. So we have to work hard to just be little children that, are, that believe what our daddy says and take it in and and trust him, and, you know, so there is a contending for that in a way, okay, to be little children and to be blessed. Secondly, some dimensions of kingdom life, kingdom promises, and kingdom fulfillment can only be gained by contending for. And again, I'm quoting, I'm going to quote some of the stuff I heard because I think it's good quotes. What you need will be brought to you. In other words, you don't need to worry. We read Psalm 91 this morning to, to Connie, and, and God is a gracious God that gives us everything we need, right? And I don't think we have to contend for that, okay? What, but what he says is, what you want, you will have to fight for, pressing toward the goal, to contend as a warrior. And... Uh, He also said that we must recognize the season we are in. I believe that's the season we are primarily in, is is we're to start contending as warriors for the dreams that God has put in your heart. You know, and Christine, you know, started that this morning. You started it this morning. Nancy started it this morning. The people that got up and proclaimed This is what God has promised me. And there's another another point. Okay, so there's really three things that I want to make. One is receive the joy, receive the blessings. Number two is we're in a season of contending. And number three is we need to utterly destroy the power of the enemy in our lives. How many of you feel like the enemy, as much victory as you've gotten, as much uh, that, that the enemy can still zap you in certain areas of your life? I really, really believe that God wants us to defeat the enemy. And, and this needs to be a concerted effort to drive the remnants. It's not the... Because God wouldn't call us to rise up to be warriors if he didn't think we were ready. But there's some remnants that need to go. Some things that the enemy, you know, there's old lies in my soul. 
that, that still there's, there's some remnants that the enemy can hit me with the feelings of rejection. He can, he can hit me with things. You know, when, when, we, prayed the, or when we sang the song, you know, all, I, one of the songs said, all fear is gone or something. You know, I can resonate with that. I don't, I don't believe, you know, there's, there's any fear in my life anymore. But there are some remnants of things, and there can even be sins that we're playing with in our life. And I really believe that if we're going to contend, if we're going to be warriors, we've got to be serious about destroying the enemy in our life. Okay. I think I'm done with what I wanted to say. So, quit while you're ahead. Huh? What, I, what I want to do is, you know, let's just... Uh, I'd like those that went to the conference, or at least those that feel led, I just want us to uh, form a tunnel, and I'd like to, you know... Pray joy of the Lord and any words that the Lord has for you. We just want to, we want to pray over you. And um, so we're going to form a little tunnel up here. So the rest of you that want to get prayed over, well, it's everybody. Just line up, and we're—it's nothing fear, fearful. We're just going to uh, bless you, and then maybe the rest of us can peel off and get prayed for too. Okay. <laughs> we can run Brent through this too. Just anoint him in the name of Jesus with your joy. The joy of the Lord is his strength.